Welcome to the Big Law Business Podcast Teaser. I'm Josh Block. I oversee video production for Big Law Business. Today we're recording a short teaser episode, a little taste of what you can expect in future episodes of our podcast. I'm joined by Casey Sullivan, along with Gabe Friedman. Casey both writes and oversees articles on Big Law Business. Hello, Casey. Hello there. So but before we begin, some background on Big Law Business, which you can find at biglawbusiness.com. Big Law Business is a website from Bloomberg BNA. It is intended for the leadership of the largest U.S. law firms and for corporate counsel, the clients of those firms. What else can we find on Big Law Business, Casey? You can find a lot of stuff. We have anywhere from uh, news and analysis to blog posts to profiles of, of the most important people in the legal industry. Um, um, you know, those are mainly to give insights about, you know, who these people are, what their likes and dislikes are, um, you know, what their views are on the most recent trends that are going on in the industry. For our teaser episode, we're going to look back on 2015. We are recording this on uh, January 5th. We are into 2016, and we're going to look back at the biggest stories in the business of law over this last year. But before we get started on that, Casey, what makes something a big story in the uh, in the big law community, in the business of law? What's your take on that? We only focus on the business of law. So, it, you know, what that is, is basically, you know, what affects the bottom line for the biggest U.S. law firms and their relationship with in-house counsel. Those stories are primarily made up of, uh, you know, big law firm mergers, big law firms that are in trouble, you know, big groups of partners that are, you know, switching, you know, jumping ship from one law firm and joining another. And, you know, how the interaction between, uh, you know, lawyers and and their clients are evolving. Those are really, you know, the most important stories that we cover. So before we get into the couple things that we want to talk about that we see as the biggest stories in the business of law this year, what do you think are some of the stories that didn't make it? What stories were we talking about? What were our uh, our finalists? You know, you have the you know the big monumental stories, but you also have trend stories that that complement those, and, and those were some of the ones that you know we talked about that didn't end up making it. So. For instance, um, you know, the changing litigation landscape, you know, we saw a lot this year um, in that world, you know, a number of big law firms conducted layoffs in their litigation departments, uh, Kasowitz, Benson, uh, Goodwin Proctor, um, you know, they were citing a, a downturn in, in the litigation market. And, you know, we, we publish a lot from, um, you know, the reports that Citibank puts out and, and what they've said is that it's not necessarily that you know litigation across the board is going down. It's that the lit- the litigation landscape's just changing. It's it's uh, it's a change in the way that GCs are dishing out work. You know, there's a lot more uh, alternative service providers that are out there that can reduce uh, the the legal spend for in-house counsel that that they're using. And so. You know, what we're seeing a downturn in is really the routine uh, cases that, you know, any lawyer might handle, whether it's, you know, wage an hour, an employment case. It's not really the top tier, uh, you know, big ticket bet the company cases. So in, in that world, I think that, um, you know, we're not seeing much of a change, but it still affects really law firms across the board and, and, and is changing the way that law firms are partnering with other companies and pitching work to, to general counsel. We also saw some mergers that didn't happen. That was a big story, just in fact that it didn't happen, right? 
Yeah, yeah. I guess there were there have been a couple this year so far. One was the Pillsbury Winthrop uh, Chadbourne and Park proposed merger, and it, it's always really tough to tell, you know, when something is worth reporting. I mean, all these big law firms are talking to. You know, a number of different potential, uh, you know, suitors to possibly combine. And, you know, we felt like that was one that had reached a point in, in their discussions that was worth reporting. But, um, you know, that was definitely, that definitely created a lot of buzz in the community. Um, didn't end up happening, but that doesn't necessarily mean that they won't come back to it in the new year. You know, we, I, I spoke with uh, Jamie McKeon at, at Morgan Lewis and Bacchius earlier this year, and, and what she said was, you know, if if there was close reporting on her you know asset acquisition of Bingham, it would have been reported that you know merger talks had ended between um, Bingham and, and Morgan Lewis at one point because they actually cut off communications and then re-entered later on. So you know that could very well end up happening with with Pillsbury and and uh, Chadbourne. Who knows? Um, as it could with you know any other number of firms. Yeah, you know the fact that still sticks with me about that story is they went so far as to register the website domain for PillsburyChadbourne.com. Yeah, you know, it's it's difficult to say. You know, I forget who I spoke with about that, but I, I but they sort of played it off like, um, you know, it was some, some, you know, tech employee at one of the firms that had sort of um, acted out of turn or, or something like that. And I did ask him about it, but there wasn't a great explanation for it. Was there a single biggest story in tech? Is there a big law tech story or business of law tech story that, that sticks out for you? I think the one that sticks out the most for me was uh, Lex Machina's acquisition by LexisNexis. That was one that um, you know a number of people in the legal tech community were talking about this year that, that created a lot of buzz. Um, you know, Lex Machina is a litigation analytics company that, that has so far focused on um, um, patent cases. And at LexisNexis, they're planning on offering a broader range of services. And that was, you know, one of the, the reasons for the acquisition was that they're going to start offering analytics around labor and employment, bankruptcy, uh, securities cases. And they're, you know, going to be offering it through the, uh, you know, the LexisNexis platform. You know, good thing is that, you know, they'll be able to maintain independence of their company, you know, still brand it as uh, Lex Machina, at least for now. At the end of the year, suddenly we had what, what seemed like a big story, a partner at a big law firm was indicted. Where does that kind of thing in the whole business of law range of stories, how does that rate for you? It was really significant. You know, anytime that you have, uh, you know, it's clearly a, a, a prominent partner at a, at a very reputable law firm, Case Scholler, um, you know, facing uh, federal charges, that's, it's, it's very significant. Um, but, you know, it, it you know, it does happen. Um, you know, I remember that there was a partner at Mayor Brown, for instance, uh, a year or two back who ended up uh, getting sentenced for his role in the Refco uh, commodities brokerage firm that, that went under. Um, you know, there, there was a partner at Nixon Peabody a couple of years back who, um, you know, his name was David Tamman. He ended up getting sentenced, uh, you know, aiding and abetting in a, a, a Ponzi scheme that is the, that his client um, um, had gotten into. So it does happen. It's newsworthy when it does happen, but it's often difficult to, you know, link any sort of broader industry implications to, you know, when something like that happens. 
when we get down to like the final or the top two stories, I think it was kind of a clear top two for us when we look at the biggest stories in the business of law this year. Number two is the Dewey case. People that follow legal media closely will know that you were the first person to actually break the Dewey story. Uh, and, and it seems like we're almost at the end of this with the trial this year. So, so tell us, Casey, why, was, why does Dewey still matter? What happened with the case this year? And, and is it over? Where, where are we now? Uh, and, and what are the larger ramifications for the business of law and for, for big law? I think the reason why it still matters is that it's an exhibit for other current law firm leaders to look at to, you know, see what not to do when you're when you're managing a big law firm. Um, You know, beyond that, I think that throughout the case, uh, you know, throughout the trial, I don't think that there was really any smoking gun that came forward um, that really showed, wow, you know, they, they did that. And all of a sudden there's this huge revelation of, you know, you know, they engaged in fraud or, or they didn't, you know, one way or the other. And I think that was probably what uh, you can attribute the result to, which was, which was a mistrial. Um, you know, I think that, you know, there are clearly complex claims involved. Um, and the claims really were around, uh, you know, partially their accounting practices. And as as you spoke with uh, Richard Rosenbaum earlier this year, the chair of Greenberg Traurig, you know, there are, there are a number of other law firms out there, law firm managing partners that engage in creative accounting practices, you know, shifting around revenue and expenses. And, you know, they... You know, they ask for you know the check to be dated, uh, you know, in the in the current year, so that they can maximize their income. And the question is whether that is that criminal. And you know, I I don't think that we really got a clear answer. You know, what, one other thing that I think is probably different about Dewey that you know can't really be applied across the board is that how much they borrowed. They had a huge amount of debt. You know, hundreds of millions of dollars. You don't see other law firms out there doing that right now. And so. So, you know, even if there is some, you know, sketchiness going on in the management, at, you know, at, at other large law firms that I think is probably, you know, from what I've heard, you know, partners complain about and, um, you know, or, or partners who have jumped ship from their firm and now like to talk about their former firms. You know, I don't think that you're probably going to see this kind of a case coming from a, a DA's office against a big law firm because they're, you know, it's just not that kind of lending isn't isn't happening well so where does the case stand now what are, what do we hear what will happen next with dewey so davis is in talks with the prosecutor's office to strike a, a plea agreement and uh the other defendants are you know still on the hook on um a number of charges what is our top story for um the business of law for this year i'd say it'd be denton's you know what they have done this year is really unprecedented. They started off the year by announcing a combination with China's largest law firm, Da Chang, um, and then they continued after that and executed uh, you know, a number of different law firm mergers around the globe. They ended up going from 2,600 lawyers to start the year, and now they're at 7,700. So if it, it's pretty remarkable growth, and I think that it's changed the landscape. Uh, the the competitive landscape that is that law firms are functioning in. So they are the world's largest law firm. 
They have become the world's largest law firm by headcount. And what does this mean for other law firms? Do you think they're concerned? Do you think that this is like other firms want to be like them? I think they'll probably tell you that they're not concerned and that, you know, uh, Denton's is basically creating a one-stop shop that, you know, doesn't necessarily uh, cut into their business. But I think that the the change that's happening is that you know Denton's really has a proposition to other firm attorneys to come join their firm so you know before Denton's it was really mainly economic uh, or, or financial prospects that l- law firms had dangling out to uh, uh, lawyers at competitors' firms. You know, they recruit them in for a higher salary. But now, what Dentons has is it's really a strategy proposition. It's saying if you join our firm, we're, you're going to be part of the world's largest law firm, and we have, you know, we were, and they're the largest, the world's largest law firm by far, and. Um, you know, it's kind of like a whole new uh, pitch, a whole new proposal that that is kind of creating. It seems to be creating momentum. It seems that a lot of lawyers are catching on to this, and they and they're they're able to say, yeah, like we have the Denton's brand, and we can sell our services by advertising through that. And because they've been covered so much in the press, and because they're pretty much everywhere, um, I think that that's definitely. A, one thing that's eating into competition is probably on the minds of a lot of people. They've also entered China in a way that I don't think we've seen from from other law firms before. I mean, they what Dentons is doing, they're not really merging, but they're operating under a Swiss Verein, so their lawyers can collaborate, but they're they're maintaining separate profit pools around the world. But the fact that they're they have teamed up with you know Da Cheng and they're they're branded under the same name, I think is something that caught a lot of law firm leaders off guard. You know, one other, I guess, interesting thing, which, you know, if, if this were a, a full list of 10 or 20, I think this might also make the list is that not only that, but they're also pioneering some of the um, automated, like, don't they have a, a Silicon Valley, like... Yeah, they have a tech incubator. So they're, I guess it's a program that invests in new technologies that could influence the uh, legal practice. So the one thing that they're using is um, Watson. IBM Watson and so the new uh, the robot associate might be at Denton's first you know I, I don't know <laughs> if that's um, a lot of it is you know marketing a lot of it is just kind of you know being out there and being known as being cutting edge on all of these different issues whether it actually translates into reality who knows um, you know there doesn't really seem to be a huge investigation into it <laughs> um, uh, but yeah, I mean, it's I, interesting <laughs> and it's interesting to watch for sure. Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. So that's it for our, our teaser episode of the big law business podcast. We encourage you to check out and comment on our website, biglawbusiness.com. Follow us on Twitter at big law biz. Uh, follow me on Twitter at Josh block NYC. Follow Casey on Twitter at Casey underscore big law. If you're interested in becoming a sponsor of our podcast or our website, please contact Cassie Whiteside. That's cwhiteside at bna.com. Thanks for listening. Check back at the same place you caught this podcast for our next episode, which should be coming soon. 